life is your adventure. It's not a movie. It's not a book. It's not an advert. It's something that you create. You are the only person in control of how your story plays out. So why don't you make it the most epic adventure you possibly can? Emily Abadi here bringing you episode 143 of Hurdle, a wellness-focused podcast where I sit down with inspiring individuals to talk about everything from their big wins to how they've gotten through some of life's toughest moments. On the show, you can expect vulnerability, motivation, and candid discussions with everyone from top athletes to aspiring entrepreneurs on what it really takes to follow your passions. My mission is simple, to inspire you to be your best self, move with intention, and have some fun along the way. I am geeked out about being back in the regular hurdle flow, back to three episodes a week. I was so excited over the last two weeks to bring you some really special content with so many all-star guests to help us bring 2020 to close on a good note and kickstart 2021 with some serious energy. Now, I am bringing an episode to the feed that has been a long time coming. Probably one of the most requested guests that I get DM'd about. And that guest is Bex Gentry. Bex is a Peloton tread instructor and quite the runner with a half marathon personal best time. Wait for it. At 116. <laughs> and a marathon, a full marathon in two hours and 37 minutes. She is superhuman. Obscenely impressive. Now today, as you can tell by these times, she's a stellar athlete and so, so proud of the body that she's built that enables her to show up day in and day out. But she tells me in today's episode about a time in her life when she actually didn't feel super comfortable in her own skin. Bex details what it was like to start integrating more walking into her day-to-day and how that routine slowly developed into a running habit. She tells me about a conversation she had with her uncle that changed everything, empowering her to get out of a bad relationship and pivot into an entirely new career. She also tells me what it was like to travel the world with Nike during the early stages of Nike Run Club and the call that had her packing her bags and moving to New York City to join the team at Peloton. She also shares her best advice for how to handle negative self-talk, something I know that we can all be guilty of from time to time. Trust me, this episode is jam-packed with goodness, and I am so amped that it is one of the first of the year. Before we get to it today, I do want to take a moment to thank my sponsors. Firstly, relatively new to this show, Baron Fig. Studies have shown that journaling is a great way to improve your mental wellness, but sometimes you just don't know where to start, right? Baron Fig has got you covered. Their line of guided edition journals is a must-have to jumpstart your new year. And it's the perfect introduction to journaling to get you started on your own wellness journey. I am not even exaggerating. I probably use at least three different Baron Fig products every single day. I'm big on their Fear Habit Journal, their Squire Pen, and their Confidant Notebook. I love the notebooks because not only do they feel really smooth to the touch, which I know is like a kind of silly thing to point out, but they also look super cute lined up on the shelf. And it makes me just excited to literally, this is corny, put pen to paper. <laughs> of course, they have an awesome deal for you all. Head on over to baronfig.com and use code HURDLE20 to snag 20% off their guided edition journals with options that walk you through meditation, habit formation, organization. Wow, say all of those three times fast and logging your best recipes. They literally have something for everyone. Again, head on over to baronfig.com. That's B A R O N F I G.com and use code HURDLE20 at checkout to receive 20% off of your first purchase of a guided edition journal. Next, I want to give some love to Daily Harvest. I recently had founder Rachel Drury on the show, and we talked all about how Daily Harvest has really been a game changer for so many people, myself included. 
when it came to eating smart while spending so much time at home over the last 12 months. In 2021, I personally am refocusing on what it means to take care of myself, and truly it could not be easier with Daily Harvest. The company delivers delicious food all built on organic fruits and vegetables right to your door. It takes only minutes to prepare and I never have to think twice if the food I'm eating is good for me. The best part is Daily Harvest is ready when you are. Everything stays fresh in your freezer until you're ready to enjoy it so you waste less food as well. Get started today. Head on over to dailyharvest.com and enter promo code HURDLE25 to get $25 off your first box. Again, that's promo code HURDLE25 for $25 off your first box at dailyharvest.com. That's dailyharvest.com. As you are listening today, do not forget to tag Hurdle over on social media. It is at Hurdle Podcast. I'm over at Emily Abadi. And I also recently uploaded a really special goal setting hurdle session to the website to empower you to, on your own time, learn more about how to set smart, actionable goals for this year and beyond. The link to get in on that is in the show notes. And with that, let's get to hurdling. Today, I am sitting down with Bex Gentry. She is a Peloton instructor, a runner extraordinaire. How are you doing, Bex? I am very good. Thank you. What a pleasure to be here. How are you doing? I'm doing well. I'm excited to be here with you. Uh, we were just wrapping before the audio officially started rolling. It's crazy to me that we have never crossed paths IRL. I know. <laughs> I know. It's like we circle in the same places, but yeah, we probably have, but just been in one of those moments of distraction. Distraction. I know. <laughs> I know. I'm, I'm also going to sit here this entire podcast, just being so envious over your accent. Oh, stop. I know. I've got to keep hold of it though. I feel myself slipping in. I think I said the word trash the other day. Even my boyfriend was like, Ooh, okay. (laughs) Okay. I see what you're doing with those A's there. (laughs) Okay. So Bex, give me a little slice, a little example of what an average week of running for you. You're a Peloton tread instructor. So I would imagine you've got a fair amount of running in your regular routine. Yes, I do. Um, so a normal week would look like five to um, four to five days of recording classes. So whether that is live classes or what we call coach the camera, where we are recording content to deliver to our members at a later date. That's four to five days a week. Um, We also record our audio only classes for those of our members who tune in to run outside. We record those as well. So there's an awful lot of running going on. I'm predominantly a running instructor. I do cross over into strength for um, like, I'd say (laughs) once a week maybe. And then like every other week I do live strength for runners classes. So my, the vast majority of my miles and hours at Peloton are on the tread. So there's a lot of running involved for work, but on the flip side of that, as an athlete and a marathon runner, which I just say distance runner slash runner, I, I do not use my Peloton teaching moments as my workouts. They are my coaching moments and my kind of fun times for sure. Uh, so on top of that, my training happens outside of Peloton. So whether it's on my tread at home or on the streets of New York, it's uh, more miles. <laughs> more miles. I dig it. Okay. So obviously you weren't, you haven't been at this place where you've been in this physical condition that you were able to run obscene amount of miles every week, week after week. So let's dial it back and talk to me about growing up for you and what athletics used to look like from a young age. Well, I mean, first and foremost, the UK versus the US um, childhood when it comes to sports are really different. It's like you guys are um, fully committed. Like everyone I speak to, what did you do at college? Like Not just academically, but 
in the sports world. So everybody has their speciality, whether you're a track, whether you are, I don't know, on the football team, on the water polo team, I don't know. Um, so for us in the UK, definitely the school I went to, I did fall in the category of people who were strong in academia and are on the sports fields, which was lucky. And I think because my parents both um, really supported the fact that exercise and being outside and being active encouraged my brain to be strong. Um, so I ironically was actually the worst at athletics and I know you're probably like what <laughs> <laughs> but what does the worst really mean I mean I just didn't excel at all there were I would say 70% of my my year at school were better than me at athletics the only thing I was good at when it comes to field was high jump because I was tall for my age <laughs> so I kind of edged my way into high jump and then my sport, my chosen sport was tennis. And that's what I was like focused on and wanted to become a really good tennis player. But I was in every team. So netball, lacrosse, tennis, obviously. We have a sport called rounders in the UK, which is like a baby's version of baseball. <laughs> um, Wait, but what's netball? Netball is no bouncing basketball. Whoa. Yeah essentially. <laughs> we have so many weird sports. <laughs> okay. So you thought though, that you were going to go the tennis route. Yeah, I definitely thought I was going to go the tennis route. Both of my parents were racket sports players um, in tennis and squash. So they fully supported that. Running wasn't really a thing for me. I mean, I tried my hand at cross country um, because I quite like getting muddy and running out there. But I wasn't fast. My mom used to say I ran like with my arms and legs flailing out to the side and she'd just laugh when I ran. So I was never really very confident <laughs> about my um, ability to run nor how I looked when I ran. And then I think it was sort of a progression through. I had some issues with my knees when I was growing up. But like I, I grew very quickly all of a sudden. I had a big growth spurt and that meant my knees sort of started to grow inwards. And I, tennis became a little bit more painful at that time with the stop start and that, you know, really quick acceleration over a teeny tiny distance and then back the other way. Um, so I kind of dialed tennis back a little bit and focused just on my school sports and things like that and study. And then I kind of came into running when I graduated university and I had just kind of realized that through drinking and living a student life in um, a packed house in London, I'd put on more weight than I was normally comfortable with. And I just started to walk everywhere in London. And then walking kind of progressed to running. And then kind of the rest is history, I suppose. <laughs> when it comes to you getting out and deciding to walk everywhere, mm. I think this is a really great jumping off point for us because so many people can relate with that, right? Relate with yeah. this idea that, oh, I'm just not feeling satisfied or happy or comfortable in my own body. I don't know where to begin. And sometimes, as I'm sure that you can agree, that first step can definitely be the hardest. Was that the case mm -hmm. for you? Oh my gosh, a hundred percent. I I used to get the bus from where I lived, um, which was a place called Stoke Newington in East London. And I worked at the Financial Times in London Bridge. So it's a pretty fair walk. Um, and so it would take me, when I first started, about an hour and a half to walk to work. And so, it, you know, it's cold, it's wet, it's rainy. I seem to remember, but, you know, sometimes you only remember the tough things. But I seem to remember deciding to do this in winter when it was cold I just remember having like this heavy coat on and do you remember MBT shoes do you guys have those here what are they they're the shoes that were like on a rocker that supposedly helped tone your bum huh yes we used to I think Skechers used to make a version yes. of those there you go so after like doing them in my converse or whatever I had at home at the time I then like after a, a month or so invested in these MBT shoes. I was like, well, I may as well start toning my butt if I'm going to be walking to work. <laughs> <laughs> and then that kind of spiraled. So I think it was just a really great way of, I, I am historically, I kind of 
bite off more than I can chew in many ways. So I'm not saying everybody should get out and walk for an hour and a half to wherever they work, but just taking that first initiative of, okay, well, I could walk a certain amount of distance and then get my friend or partner or get on public transport for the rest of the way home or vice versa. You know, there's ways of breaking stuff down. And I think it's about finding that roadblock that you've put up um, for comfort's sake and just chipping away at it. It's not necessarily knocking it down and getting it out of the way. It's just being like, okay, well, I can just take that first layer of the bricks off and then that hurdle's a little bit lower. Yeah, for sure. So when you transitioned from just walking to work to maybe picking up the pace, talk to me about the beginning of that transition. Well, I um, it kind of came with twofold because I moved out of London down to Brighton and that's um, about an hour on the train from London. And it was uh, kind of the most beautiful place I'd lived in the UK outside of my home. It was by the sea and I would go out and just see everybody was running. Like whether any age, people were out for a jog along the seafront. So I was like, ah, oh, okay. Come on. I used to do this at school. Like, why not give it a go again? And because I had to get the train to work, like it was impossible to run to work from Brighton, I would then in the mornings or probably evenings, actually, I think it more was, I had joined a a women's only gym down there. And I can't remember for the life of me what it was called. It had pink writing, very kitsch, but it was a women's only gym. And you went in this like circular, uh, it was a circular setup of all of these different machines. And it was almost like speed dating per machine. (laughs) And and you just rotate around it. You'd have like two minutes on each machine and you just do as many exercises as you could. And you sort of went around that three times. It was a really bizarre idea, but it worked. And because it was women only, it was great because there was every type of woman from shy to outgoing there and everything in between. But anyway, it was like a 15 minute run from my house. And I didn't have a car at that point as I just moved from London. So I just kind of jogged there and jogged home. And I took it as a nice little warm up. And then on the way home, it was a cool down. And it just, it was just like adding these little bits of spice into my life to make what I was doing a little bit more demanding or a little bit more uncomfortable. And, you know, you've done a workout, you're tired, but it's 15 minutes max to get home. So I just kind of, added that in and that's how it went and then it just crept up from there crept up from there do you (laughs) remember in the in the running and coming and going feeling at times like you just couldn't do it oh for sure uh undoubtedly like I'm sure there were days that I got um a, a taxi home there was I carried it on even when I did get a car um but I do remember driving there once or twice, uh, for sure. (laughs) (laughs) So then when for you, you're living in Brighton, you're doing this, um, what are you doing for work at this time? Um, at that time I sort of left the financial times and was in a bit of a limbo. I like took a few interviews of these random jobs in the middle of nowhere, uh, near uh, Gatwick airport actually and it was just nothing felt right um so (laughs) I was in limbo at that point um but then I wanted to go into PR and I was applying for jobs down in um in Brighton for companies that worked in Brighton and London so it was a big life change well not a big life change but my first career sort of deviation I was working in advertising and marketing at the Financial Times so sort of took quite a natural I think um avenue off of that career into public relations okay so working in public relations it seems like you've got like your kind of jive down when it comes to starting to have more activity more exercise in your life at this time Mm -hmm. are you starting to feel better about uh your body and more confident than when you started Oh my gosh, so much more, so much more. I joined a proper gym. I met a ton of friends through um, joining this real spit and sawdust 
gym um, called ZT Fitness, Zero Tolerance Fitness. <laughs> and <laughs> Sounds so serious. It was super serious. It was run by an ex-MMA fighter, Sol, who I ended up training with. Um, I, you know, had him as a personal trainer. He did these insane workouts in the morning at like 6.30 in the morning, these really brutal circuit classes. And it was just so much fun. And honestly, my main friend group in Brighton came from that gym and those classes. How does it translate or how do you get from the point where you garner the kind of confidence? Because I feel like there has to be a certain amount of confidence to walk into a gym like that and feel like you belong, especially considering, you know, where you came from and the fact that like you had, you know, just been walking, then you Mm -hmm. were running. Now you're like training with an MMA fighter. Like (laughs) how does that evolution kind of take place? I think it's always about the confidence in yourself to change and adapt to the new environments that you're in. And I think I've always applied that to every, every single element of my life, whether it's traveling to a different country um, coming home and being like, all right, I need to learn French because I, I felt silly being in France or, you know, traveling to somewhere like Thailand where I don't speak a word of the language, but I felt confident in my ability to converse and survive and thrive in the country. It didn't put me off from going. So I sort of really try and apply that to fitness of like, I have confidence in being here I have confidence in the ability to change myself for the better. So I'm the only one who's going to be in the way of stopping that. So other people can think what they want. They can, you know, look at you in whatever way they want, but that's their downfall. My upgrade is my ability to look beyond that and just believe that uh, I'm welcome here. You're welcome here. So speaking of being welcome here, when well, give me a timeline of where we are right now in your story. I left public relations. There's all these PRs and PTs in life these days. (laughs) So many letters. So many letters. I left public relations. um, I was at a very low point in my life. Um, I was in a very bad relationship. My, um, I had become obsessed with fitness, to be honest. I had an eating disorder. I was just desperately unhappy, but putting on a smiley face because that was my job public relations you're you're people facing you put a product in front of a journalist and it can be the worst product in the world but your job is to say it's the best product in the world and make them believe it and put it in their publication and so I was very good at that sort of fake it till you make it and unfortunately that sort of carried into my my actual real life um and I I was running myself into the ground. I'm like looking back and my family would say this, you were dangerously close to being long-term sick. Um, but I went to spend Christmas in Naples with my auntie and her husband and my mom and my boyfriend at the time, he also came. And my uncle's always been um, a very big influence in my life and a mentor to me. I would go out and run every single day and I, you know, for those of you who have spent time in Naples, Florida in December, it's not cool. <laughs> it's, it's rather warm. It's, it's humid. It's definitely not the kind of environment an English runner is used to. But I would go out one day, I ran 20 miles, ended up at a farmer's market and just, you know, I was doing, I was using running as some sort of cover slash distraction. And my uncle sat me down and he at the end of the trip or towards the end of the trip and said to me, the happiness that you have when you run, you need to share that with people because it's the only time I've seen you happy this whole two weeks. And he sort of was like, you need to get rid of this jackass. He's no good for you. And you just find a way of sharing, sharing your love and your passion for running with the world because it will do you good and it will do other people good. And I literally wrote my resignation letter on the flight home my boyfriend and I broke up the next day um and it was just a a huge tumultuous uh 
wave that that hit my life but it couldn't have been any better uh, for me for my career for my health and I went back to school I went and did a personal training and business diploma and I was very lucky to get a internship at a hotel gym bodyism at the Bulgari hotel when I came straight out of personal training school and then from then on I had the gods on my side uh the nike training team saw me and we're like oh we can take her on board as a trainer she seems to have the pizzazz we want and that was the start of my real career taking off um my my admiration for running kind of came flooding back in a very healthy way at that point because I was broke. I'd moved to London with a job that was an unpaid internship. <laughs> and I, again, used running as a way to run to work in the morning, which was like four miles, I think. Yeah, four miles. And it was just, there was just such a freedom to my life that I think translated into a balance of bringing fitness back to health instead of it overruling my health. Taking a break from today's episode to talk to you all again about Daily Harvest. Now, all of their stuff, including my personal faves like the Brussels sprouts pad thai, harvest bowl, and the cremini and tomato flatbread, all of it's made without preservatives, added sugar, or artificial anyway. And actually, also something I wanted to bring up, they just launched their first ever plant-based milk collection, starting with almond milk. Daily Harvest milk is made of only almonds and a dash of sea salt, and that's it. Plus, it can actually stay stocked up since everything stays fresh until we're ready to use it, aka no more, oh, I'm so guilty of this, mad dashes to the grocery store when you want to make a smoothie or you just need a splash for your coffee. Daily Harvest is undeniably delicious, clean food without any of the prep, and trust me, it is a game changer. Get started today. Head on over to dailyharvest.com and enter the promo code HURDLE25 to get $25 off your first box. Again, that's promo code HURDLE25 for $25 off your first box at dailyharvest.com. That's dailyharvest.com. Also want to give some love to my friends at Athletic Greens. You know, we are all trying to navigate this winter season as safe and healthy as possible, period, especially this year. And that is where Athletic Greens comes into play for me. Athletic Greens has got high quality prebiotics and probiotics that provide effective immune system support. And the travel packs seriously could not make it any easier. Just shake up the greens powder with 10 to 12 ounces of ice cold water in an ice cube and you have a refreshing sip to start the day that's not only good for you, but delicious as well. I'm telling you, adding Athletic Greens into my routine is likely one of the best choices. I've made for my personal wellness as an adult. I know that's a bold statement, but I mean it. You are, I have no doubt about it, going to feel the same way when you get in on the action. Head on over to athleticgreens.com slash hurdle. And of course, they've got an awesome deal for you there. Get a free year's supply of vitamin D as well as five free travel packs with your first purchase. Again, that is athleticgreens.com slash hurdle. Get five free travel packs and a year's supply of vitamin D with your first purchase today. How did you get away from those disordered eating habits and, and develop this healthier relationship, not just, you know, with food, but with exercise in mm. general? I think it was, it was accepting, having a big change in your life for the positive is very, very obviously different to a negative change. A positive change, I think it reverberates through your whole being that you are on a better and stronger path. And I think whether it's consciously or subconsciously, your homeostasis becomes a, becomes prevalent in your day-to-day -day rather than you struggling for homeostasis within your body. And I think the, the fact that I wasn't 
trying to escape anything anymore. I wasn't trying to use two hours of running to escape my thoughts or to run off a bite of a cookie I'd had or whatever it was. I was actually understanding more about the body through the course I was doing. I was meeting such a massive array of people from all over the world who were doing this, um, who were on the course that I was on. We were all different shapes. We were all different sizes. We were all different people. And I think it brought me back to reality of, okay, you don't need to be uh, like skin and bones. It's not going to do any good for you. And the stronger I was getting by, you know, these classes aren't just academically um, classroom style classes. You're doing workouts most of the day, as well as learning from a textbook. and. I was getting so strong and I talk about this in my strength classes all the time. I'm, I still need to get back to being able to do as many push-ups as I could when I was in PT school because it was so amazing to see my body get to this level of strength that I just, yeah, I just couldn't believe um, how proud I could make myself in that way which is really special. So you go to PT school and you get this job with Mm -hmm. Nike. And then how does that uh, enable you and empower you to start doing what it was that your uncle said to you, which was, you've got to share this passion with other people. (laughs) The team who kind of approached me for the Nike training club uh, role, they obviously knew that Nike running club was coming out in the future, but they couldn't share it. So they took me on board as a uh, trainer who did runs and training, very much like a kind of run boot camp sort of thing. Mm-hmm. And once we could be told about Nike Run Club being launched globally, I was one of the leads with one other um, guy called Corey. Um, it was the two of us who spearheaded it. We were one of five in the world who traveled the world, created these incredible communities. Um, in I think in the end it was something like 47 cities in the world and it was just that was the biggest flick of a switch in my mind of leading runs and warm-ups with a bunch of pacers who became really good friends of organizing every single run route and pace groups to make sure that not one person was ever left out or left behind And seeing the joys of these people coming week by week to sessions and getting stronger, getting faster, signing up to their first races, doing their 10th race, that it was really, I don't know, it was a real big wow moment to reflect on it with my uncle. And I would constantly send him pictures of of me at big events and doing, you know, we had a run with Kevin Hart in Battersea Park and I was just looked at my colleague at one point. I was like, we're running with Kevin Hart. Like, this is absurd. <laughs> I was there. I was there. <laughs> yeah, we did them every, it was just, you know, they're just these weird things. And like, I'm sitting next to Paula Radcliffe, who I had the pleasure of working with many times and Mo Farah and all these people who are and continue to be idols and inspirations to me that, you know, I just, I really did have to sit down and say to my uncle, I don't know what skills or magical powers you have <laughs> that enabled <laughs> you to see this passion would be good um, for me, but also give me this opportunity to share and bring out a joy in other people was, you know, if you never asked me when I was little what I wanted to be, I, it would fluctuate. I wanted to be a lawyer one day. And then the next day I wanted to be a marine biologist, but it was never like, somebody who gave back specifically to a community do you know what I mean like it wasn't um that sort of role and now I can't think of doing anything less like I know my calling in life is to help other people uh believe that they they can do anything that they put their minds to do you believe in the power of manifestation oh yeah (laughs) yeah (laughs) it happens too often for me not to believe in it I mean, it's, you know, it's not, a, it's not a given that it's going to happen, but I, I honestly, I, it's always happened to me with my mum. Ever since I left, I left her when I was 17 and I've lived in so many different places around the world. And whenever I've thought about her, she tends to text me 
or call me. And it's almost like, oh, I'm like, oh man, I'd really like to speak to my mom. The next thing I know, I get a text or a call. She's there. Wow, I just manifested that into the, into reality. <laughs> okay, so we believe in manifestation because uh-huh. we are running literally around the world and you're doing something that you only had dreamed of maybe. So when you're at this high point, how do you even comprehend like where to go from there? (laughs) Um, Like right now, it's super hard to keep putting up these goals. And I mean, if you're talking racing wise, or if I, if I kind of hone it on my my let's call it semi-professional running career fully wait wait, 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 wait. (laughs) let's dial it back first okay so I think what we haven't touched yet is talking about just how uh elite of a runner you are (laughs) so when do you get to the point where you're running fast 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 like let's first articulate like how fast of a runner that you are okay so Let's say Bex, what is your half marathon PR? One sixteen. Casual. What <laughs> is your marathon PR? Two thirty-seven. And how fast can you run a mile? Oof. Um, I never really do a mile time trial, but I would guess around like five twenty-five, five fifteen, something like that. No big deal. Okay. So just putting into context what we're dealing with here when it comes to Bex Gentry. Bex, when do you start like properly racing races in the scheme of things here? Uh, I'll let you know when it happens. (laughs) Oh my God. You are totally already doing it. I mean, you don't go out and hammer through a a 116 half marathon. Um, you know, like just because you're like, you know what I'm going to do today? I'm going to go recreationally run a half marathon. So (laughs) talk to me about um, when uh, like you kind of start really getting into running in this way, because it doesn't just happen overnight. No, 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 no. I mean, my first marathon time was a 3.30 and that was London Marathon in 2016. So that's a gauge of progression. My my marathon PR was last November, New York City Marathon um, at 2.37. So big differences here. Mm -hmm. Very big differences. If someone hears that and their first question for you is what changed, what do you tell them? Uh, routine. Yeah. Through a routine, understanding where my strengths lie. Like you asking me what my mile time is. I know my strength is not um, explosive speed. It is definitely not. Let's go from the blocks out for one mile as fast as you can. I, I'm no Alison Felix, you know, that level of runner. I am long distance. My powers lie in that mental game of endurance, um, also power, but in a very different way. So I think it was recognizing like, okay, I'm not necessarily going to be the fastest 5k or 10k runner, but, um, I need to get some routine and some, some understanding about how to become a long distance runner. What happened between the 330 and the 237? Yeah. So, I mean, in all honesty, I had that time of my life. I I called it the eight weeks of crazy. I ran my first marathon. So all of this happened in eight weeks, two marathons, two ultra marathons. I turned 30 and I got married. They were all uh, within the same eight weeks and the marathons nothing were going on here nothing, nothing going, going on. on here okay uh-uh. only one of the races was in the UK in London that was London Marathon um, everything else that I did was outside of the UK and the ultra ultra races were insane like up and over mountains and volcanoes and very very tough races and I think just doing those kind of back to back every other weekend something insane happened or like weekends in a row um my body just went like wow okay you're tougher than you thought so let's uh let's see where we can go with this and the two marathons I did were London and Rome marathon and they were so 330 and then Rome marathon was 327 or it was vice versa but pretty much the same finish time for Mm -hmm. both of those 
and I met Blue Benadam. It was earlier that year, February of that year, who is um, a very good friend, a very accomplished running coach. And he was a fellow Nike uh, running coach as well. And we'd gone for a run at like four in the morning before a big day of um, coaching in Germany. And I told him my marathon time, my, my London marathon time. And he remembered thinking, this girl is not a 3.30 marathoner because we're running at, in the six minute mile paces at four in the morning and she's still having a full conversation with me. <laughs> um, so I, he and I became very good friends through uh, Nike coaching and we just spent a lot of time talking about different ways of training and different ways of coaching people and trying these things out on ourselves. He is the found, one of the co-founders, should I say, of the Speed Project, which is a uh, relay race, a, multi uh, a multi-team relay race that happens from, you run from Los Angeles to Las Vegas. And it's 340 mm -hmm. miles and you do it as quickly as your team possibly can. He, as I said, is one of the co-founders of this. And the second year of it, he was like, Bex, do you want to join my team for this? So I've done it four times now, I think, something like that, four times, yeah. And um, three times running and once hosting. And then we are still the record holders on our team. <laughs> I love that. So you're running and you're getting faster and faster mm -hmm. and you're, you're finding these new personal bests. And then talk to me about then how this journey of sorts leads you to Peloton. I, uh, I think it was, it really, honestly, it all stemmed from, from Nike through Nike trading. I met Rebecca Kennedy, who was also a Nike training coach and um, I mean, meet as in met through like a screen um, back in the days when you could meet people in person, but she was obviously Northern American territory. I was Europe and we, well, I think we'd been at virtual summits together and um, through social media, we became friends. And she reached out to me in August of 2017 um, and just said, look, I have this really exciting project. I can't tell you much about it. Uh, it's running based. It's an opportunity you don't want to miss. Would you be willing to move to New York? <laughs> <laughs> Casual. Casual. I was like, what? Okay. Um, very long process um, of interviews. And I was sort of coming out to New York every month to do on camera auditions. And um, I just, I guess, I I fit into the team into the cast that they wanted and very very lucky to have been offered the job in December 2017 and um and that started my whole life uprooting um over here to the US which was the best thing in the world for me it sorted out again I kind of had a trait of bad relationships of my um, having the strength to move countries meant I had the strength to end a bad marriage and restart in every single way um, over here in New York. Taking a break from today's episode to give some love to my friends at Beam, a Boston-based CBD company that is making waves in the wellness industry. Now, if there is something I know, I know. I am so certain of <laughs> that we can all agree on. It's that 2020 made the importance of immunity and well-being abundantly clear. For me, I have been prioritizing good, restful sleep, mostly because it's important for literally everything from brain and immune function to reducing inflammation in the body. Beam has been a really big piece to the sleep puzzle for me, and that's because of their dream blend. What tastes like a unique cinnamon hot chocolate, the Dream Boosting Blend helps your body and mind wind down for a deeper night's sleep with relaxing compounds like melatonin, magnesium, L-theanine, plus their nano CBD powder. Trust me, this soothing addition to your nighttime routine is truly what dreams are made of. 
And bonus, it helps me go a little less hard sweet tooth wise on my usual ice cream habit. Head on over to beamtlc.com and use code HURDLE at checkout for 15% off. Again, that's beamtlc.com, B-E-A-M-T-L-C.com. Use code HURDLE at checkout for 15% off today. You've mentioned in both of these circumstances and both of the bad relationships that you referenced that at both times you were leaning into sport, maybe more so than before. Talk to me about how sport helps you get through tough times. It's cathartic for me. Um, I have definitely learned not to abuse my body when it comes to using sport or running as a release. I've learned that the most gentle run can be the most therapeutic for me. And so the act when I'm feeling a little bit frantic in my own brain or overwhelmed or sad, the act of putting on my running kit, lacing up my trainers and that almost literal beep on my watch of start (laughs) transports me into what some people may say a selfish mode what I would argue to my last breath as being a uh something that's so far from selfish I can't even think of the right word um it's a saving into my own saving mode and it clears my mind it focuses me it helps me flick through the rolodex of crap that sometimes is my brain and even if it's not a conscious thing quite often it is you know you're literally going through like almost turning the pages of your own brain but sometimes it just you switch off you go into a meditative state and you come back and either way that it happens I feel like once I get in the shower or when I'm stretching when I get home I feel so much calmer And even if nothing about my day has changed, if I know that the minute I'm dressed, it's going to go back to being quite a frantic day, I just feel a little bit more prepared to handle it in a logical and correct way. (laughs) Correct. (laughs) No, I mean, I can totally identify. I think sometimes by taking that time to give back to ourselves, then we can better show up for you know, the people that we care about, our obligations, the things that are on our to-do list and so on and so forth. Absolutely. I mean, I say it in class all the time and I've said it already to you, like as an individual, you are the only person in the way of your goals. There's nobody else who's actually stopping you. People can give you um, all the attitude and all the opinion that they want on your goals, but if you don't go for that run because you can't be bothered or you don't make that training session because you'd rather watch the next TV show, you're the person putting up the roadblock there. And if you can't be the person who finds a way to get through the potential roadblock, um, I don't know if you've listened to Matthew McConaughey's book, Green Lights, but his way of explaining this of like, People think that successful people have always got green lights. They're always just on a free flowing road and that they never have those amber or yellow lights. But the difference is between these people is that the person who you think always has the green light has actually taken the time to look ahead, identify the amber lights and the red lights and pick and choose either how to get around them or how to use them as a stop or a pause to their advantage. Love that. Uh, yeah, it's just like, wow. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I also use, I also <laughs> love your use of the word Amber personally. <laughs> <laughs> so something that I have struggled with and I, and I wonder if you feel this way as well is that as someone who wants to encourage the best for people, literally like my personal mission is helping to encourage the hurdlers to live healthier and happier lives and and find motivation. I struggle sometimes with getting to this place where I can only do so much 
And I can't make that person actually take the step, right? Like Mm -hmm. I can provide them with inspiration. I can help provide them with the tools, but if they don't want that help for themselves, if they don't want to take that step, actually, then I can't force it on them. Do you ever Mm -hmm. feel that way? Oh my gosh. Uh, Yeah. On so many different levels as well. (laughs) Yeah. And I, I think it's just like, sometimes I hear, you know, in my DMS or in emails, it's just like the excuse making Mm -hmm. and Oh, sometimes I just want to, I want to shake these people that I care about so much because I want them to get out of their own way. Like, what would you tell someone who is the person that's standing in their own way? Who is the person that's, you know, watching the TV show or, Mm -hmm. you know, they're on the couch. They're not taking that leap of faith. Um, I think I, I generally bring it back to the kind of the speculation or the reality of your goals we can all sit back and speculate about the what ifs or perhaps or oh I should do this and I I hate the word should it's such a uh, bane of uh, my vocabulary because I think it it's something that doesn't isn't necessary to exist that if it's a should it's more than likely if you've got that opportunity it's an I can or I will or I hope to, uh, should is just so, so annoying to me. But anyway, reverting back, I would say to that person that if you don't try and it's so cliche, you, you're never going to know. So rather than just sit back and be almost more, that's more selfish, I think personally on your, on yourself to sit back and not try and just to presume that you'll get the opportunity to do it another day it's quite selfish I think Mm. that getting the opportunity to wake up and give life a damn good go every single day is something that we definitely all should do and there's that should again Um, (laughs) and how many of the like gratitude journals and I mean I personally don't keep one but I reflect on my day and my boyfriend and I were having this conversation literally the other night of he's like do you actually like go through your day when you get into bed and like close your eyes and I was like yeah I genuinely do every night I kind of go through my day I don't necessarily pinpoint out something that makes me feel grateful or made me feel great but I just sort of do an overview of what happened and I make sure that if there was something pretty big, it's filed in the memory bank. I don't want to forget it. And I would hate for that person who just doesn't take the opportunity to go to bed every night wishing that their day had been different because mm. you, you're the person, like you're going to end up hating yourself. And that's really sad. What has been one of the biggest lessons that you have learned in your last couple years with Peloton? Oof. Um, that real life is very different to stuff that is uh, portrayed through a screen, whatever mm. screen that is. And with that, comparing yourself to other people, be it on any screen, in any publication, or even on the street sitting next to you on your sofa is never going to set you up for uh consistent positivity I definitely yeah I just think it's too much today like we live in such a world of it's almost like one-upping all the time you know I think I'm I love social media but I also hate it I also I think it's sometimes really manipulative and used in the wrong way but it's also invigorating and inspiring and gives people an outlet. It allows people to uh, feel better if they read something. They, you know, it may pull certain people out of a terrible place. But at the same time, I think we definitely need to understand that uh, comparing yourself to somebody on the other side of a screen who you don't know, especially in running or training, like, it doesn't matter if you can't run as fast as like, I don't compare myself to Paula Radcliffe. Uh, right. The fact that we both run, I aspire to have a career as long as hers and as wonderfully happy as hers alongside having a beautiful family. Um, but I don't necessarily put myself down because I don't have a two forty marathon under my belt. 
<laughs> right. Yeah, no, I totally get it. And as someone who is, you know, on the other side of the screen for so many people so often as a Peloton instructor, how are you giving back to yourself to help better show up for these people in your community? I am a real advocate for real talk. I will happily jump on my Instagram as and when I please. I have no schedule, um, as you probably have noticed. I'm <laughs> definitely not a person who's like, all right, I post on a Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Thursday at this time. And that may be to detriment of what people perceive to be a good following. But to be honest, I, I can't let it take over my life that much. I post when I have something genuine to say. I some days may post 50 Instagram stories because I'm just having a particularly interesting or what I deem to be interesting to other people <laughs> day, uh, which let's be honest, is kind of rare in this current climate. Um, but I, I definitely try to on days when I'm with family and friends, I put my phone away. I don't think the world needs to know what Austin and I are doing on a Saturday, unless it's something cutesy, like we went to chop a Christmas tree down, you know, something that everybody's <laughs> doing, but they don't need to know that we're sitting watching Netflix and having a bottle of wine. And, but that's just my personal opinion. Other people love sharing every element of their life and that's very on brand for them. But for me personally, I have to give myself back uh, private time. I don't want everybody knowing everything about me and my my personal life whatever I give at Peloton is it's open <laughs> but behind the scenes I really pick and choose what I I share um, and how often my phone's in my hand when someone goes to your Instagram page, they see Bex Gentry, the Peloton instructor with 71,000 plus followers. When you look in the mirror, what is it that you see looking back at you? <laughs> um, a tired version of uh, the kid I've always seen <laughs> looking back <laughs> at me. Um, I, I honestly, you know, I... I'm sure we all do this. We look in the mirror and we're like, wow, when did this happen? I'm, I think I still live at home with my parents in my mind and I'm 13 and should be going to school. Um, but it, I mean, it changes. There are days when I do have a bit of a low day or, you know, I'm, I'm certainly like everybody right now. I'm really missing my family. I haven't seen them in a year um, and I'm not, going to be able to see them for a really long time and it's just that you get yourself a little bit down and you feel a little bit blur about everything even though I know that I am so blessed and very very lucky uh, very privileged in my life and I think sometimes I just have to look at myself in the mirror and look at myself in the eye and remind myself of that and that you know these times will pass and that I am a badass runner and I finished New York City Marathon as a first non-elite female and I can thrive in situations that I don't necessarily or I didn't necessarily think I could. So I just have to sort of bring some of those strong moments to my mind and it, it helps reinforce that present, that, that moment of strength that I need in a moment of weakness. That first non-elite female sentence, does that ever get old? No. no. <laughs> Definitely not. Describe to me quickly how you felt when you crossed the finish line in 237.01. I cried. Someone who actually, um, I think she's a Peloton member, um, or she may be a Peloton member employee I apologize if you're listening to this and I got get, get it confused um, <laughs> I know that you are a wonderful person that's for sure she was at the finish line working for uh working at the marathon that day um and she happened to I, I don't know whether she saw me coming or or what but got her phone out and recorded me literally like on the finish line coming over and I my really good friend, Matthew Mayer, was on the finish line. He'd finished three minutes ahead of me. 
and we shared some miles together during the race. He was, I, I hobbled towards him and just, we embraced and cried and I, nothing was real. I didn't know. I just remember seeing my time and thinking it was wrong. I didn't know I was the first female at that point. Um, I'd been told since the fifth kilometer that I was leading as a non-elite female, um, which just FYI was a very big weight on my shoulders for the remaining um, 37 kilometers of the race. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it was... Um, it was crazy, but it was one of those moments. Like I, you run New York, right? Yes. Four times. Yeah, four five, times. Well, I guess five times if you count virtual this count, year. Yay. <laughs> <laughs> You're all crazy by the way. Um, <laughs> but you know what it's like when you, when you finish New York marathon, unless you've bought like paid for that extra, whatever it is, you have to go up to 82nd to exit. Now yes. that walk is a uphill, b in the shade in November, and it's mm, let's say half a mile to a mile. Once you do a double back down to Columbus Circle, it's definitely over a mile of distance. Oh yeah. And so Matt had paid or he'd been given because he's such a fabulous runner the early exit with you know the posh poncho that people get not just <laughs> yeah. the, the tinfoil one and he bless him tried to take me through he was like she's just finished we think she's the first female like let her come and they were like no no you don't have the right wristband I was like okay whatever fine so he kind of he was like I'll give you mine and gentlemanly um offerings but I kind of carried on walking and, and plodded my way up to 82nd, finally got out and walked my way back down to Columbus Circle. And this whole time I was like, wow, I may well have been the first female to finish, but it doesn't make a jot of difference. I was still there with every other person who'd finished. We were all like, grumbling at this like death march that we were doing to get back <laughs> to our family and friends and it was just uh, that to me was the most special moment of remembering why we go to these races why we trained for weeks and months not just to PR it is just to be in that incredible community and be no matter what your finish time is, you're all the same. You're all grumpy runners who have just run 26.2, want to take your shoes off and sit down and have a beer. <laughs> what excites you right now, Beth? Um, my puppy is my main source of excitement in my life right now. Um, he was just started snoring, so I apologize if you can hear him in <laughs> the good. background snoring his head off. Um, my I'm excited by what 2021 could bring us in racing. I think that there's been a lot of people who've stayed very fit and very healthy throughout this past year and who are going to be chomping at the bit to go for it in some races if they happen next year. And I'm so I'm very excited to uh, see what culminates on those finish lines uh, in, in certain big races. I love that. Okay. And so we come to the final question <laughs> right now. You have an opportunity to give yourself a piece of advice, looking back perhaps on that trip to Naples, Florida on the Bex going through that huge hurdle moment in her life, feeling like she's struggling, feeling unhappy in her own body. You have an opportunity looking back on that now to offer her a piece of advice in that hurdle moment. What do you tell her? Um, well, I, uh, my main piece of advice that I've always sort of stayed uh, true to saying that I would kind of tell a younger self, life is your adventure. It's not a movie. It's not a book. It's not an advert. It's something that you create. And it's not necessarily always going to have happy parts but you are the only person in control of how your story plays out. 
So why don't you make it the most epic adventure you possibly can? Beautiful. Bex, let me know. How do the hurdlers keep up with you? How do we follow along with you? Give me all of the details. Well, you can find me on Instagram. It's at Bex Gentry, super simple. Or you can hop on to Peloton through the app. Or if you have a piece of hardware, you can find me on Peloton in running classes, in strength classes, in stretching classes. Um, and when the studio opens in, in the future, I hope to see people <laughs> in real life running as well. I R L. Thank you so much for your time today. I can't tell you how much I appreciate it. Thank you for your time. It's been amazing to talk to you. And I hope that we can get some miles in together in the future. <laughs> oh, amen. Amen. <laughs> I am over at Emily Abadi and at Hurdle Podcast. Another hurdle conquered. Catch you guys next time.